warning, things are about to get intense. Like when you stare into the eyes of someone that you really like for a full minute straight without blinking, intense, intense heat, lasting plump from the hot new lifter plump from Maybelline, New York, formulated with chili pepper. Lifter plump delivers a heated sensation for an instant lip plumping effect that lasts available in eight sizzling shades honestly my favorite is hot honey and cocoa zing i put it on my lips and honestly it did sizzle them it sizzled them right to the moon they were plump and juicy and everyone was like nicole can i and i'm like get in line can you take the heat find your shade at maybelline.com or a retailer near you Amazon shoppers get 10% off Lifter Plump purchase with code 10PLUMP for a limited time. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Won't You Date Me, a podcast where me and Nicole Byers just exploring the theme of love because I truly can't figure out why I'm single. I have bad luck. It's terrible. My guest today is an award-winning actress with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You know her from series like 21 Jump Street, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, and her many appearances in Hallmark movies. She co-hosts Peacock's new dating series, Queen's Court, where she joins three famous single women in their search for love. It's Holly Robinson P. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Okay. I'm excited to talk to you because I love hanging with Mr. Cooper. It was one of my favorite shows. Yeah. That TGIF nostalgia. I mean, we were all Uh at a certain age, which is like it never leaves you. It never leaves you. Yeah. (laughs) Love that show and, and just made so many amazing friends. And I'm still friends with so many people on that show. And um, I want to reboot. I keep saying to Mark and and Raven, I'm like, let's reboot this. Everybody else is. Why not us? I mean, why not? I think it would be incredible. It would be fun. I would watch it. Yeah. Okay, Holly, I have a question. Are you single? Are you dating? Do you not want to say what is going on? Are you serious? That's mm-hmm. a fun question. I have been married for 28 years. I am Woo! not single. I am not dating. <laughs> My single and dating games. Days are long behind me. I have four grown-ass kids, 25, 25, <laughs> 20, and 18. I wouldn't even know how to think about dating. And as a matter of fact, I really do feel like I feel badly for so many of my single friends that want to really find love right now because dating now is tough, especially in the age of social media where everybody Mm kind of knows everybody's business. You can be petty to your man or your woman (laughs) if you want to in so many ways. We have have such a big toolbox to be mean-spirited if we wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was single many, many moons ago, um, actually during the Hang With Mr. Cooper days, I had a good time. I I loved being single. (laughs) But when I decided I wanted to get married, I mean, I was like a woman on a mission. And that was before social media. I remember one particular time where I couldn't find Rodney. We were dating and I couldn't Mm -hmm. find him. And uh, I was like, where is he? Where is he? So I sat outside of his this does sound a little stalkery, but I sat outside of his house (laughs) all night waiting for him to come home. And where was he? Where was he? 
He was at the strip club, Nicole. Oh, well, <laughs> listen, he was still single. He, I mean, he had a girlfriend, but, you know, he's, he was doing his thing. But I just keep thinking that it, in this day and age, you could GPS a brother. You don't even have to worry yeah. about sitting outside or following them. Um, so I just think it's a lot harder now. But um, I loved being single. It was so fun. But I am fully married with full-grown adult children. I love that you said that you had fun being single. I'm not having fun. I find it to be uh, lonely and hard, and dating truly is a nightmare. Yeah. It, it, I mean, listen, I have friends that are you're a lot younger than me, but I have friends that are my age in their 50s who are, you know, not married, no kids, and they're kind of okay with that. I think part of them is okay. I think they've convinced themselves they're okay with it. But then I have other friends who are out in these streets in their big <laughs> ages, out in these streets, dating, dating younger guys. And I just, mm-hmm. my conversations with them, I'm just like, wow. I mean, the energy it takes. and But that's it does yeah. keep you on your toes. I, I just did. I really did enjoy my single day. Now, if I was still single, I don't know how much I'd enjoy it. Uh, but I think it involves patience. It involves so much self-love. And knowing who you are and knowing what you will put up with and what you won't and not settling, but still being open to 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 not being judgmental. So it involves a whole bunch of things. And when we were on uh, working on Queen's Court, we, we had a chance to talk to these ladies in their 40s and they had lists, you know, like, oh, he need to be this, 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 this and this. And he better not be this. And I told them, you got to throw that list away and you have oh. to think outside the box because... What might be your type is you sticking to this type might be keeping you single. And Mm. uh, I think they kind of listened. We had some good results. I mean, I feel like everyone is like, make your list. Uh, Make sure that that person checks things off. But not like physical things like, are you in therapy? Uh, Do you, are you in touch with your emotions? That's the kind of list I'm making now because it used to be very like visual shit. Like, is he tall? Is he cute? Right. Now I'm just like, I don't give a shit. I just need you to be nice and in therapy. Okay, but here's one of your something funny that was number Mm -hmm. one on my list with Rodney Pete. I will not marry you if you don't go to therapy with Mm -hmm. me. And I really do think that that's, I mean, we've gone through a lot of shit over the last 30 years. We've known each other 30 years. We've had some highs and some lows and some high highs and low lows. But when I tell you the fact that we have the tool of Mm -hmm. going to therapy and working through that stuff and that he's open and willing to as a black man and don't have all the hangups about what that Mm -hmm. looks like, it's been a lifesaver. So keep that on your list. Okay. Take it from your sister. Keep that on your list. Are you willing to sit down and work through your stuff with a third party? Are you, you know, what are you, some of your other emotional issues? Because, you know, tall, light skin, wavy hair, all that, you know, we can, <laughs> we can push past all that. But uh, yeah. seriously, it's the long lasting relationships come because you have two people who are willing both on the same page to work for it. So, okay, 20, you said 28 years you've been together. That's a real treat. We've been 30 together, 30 years, but we've been married. 30 years. Yep. Married. This June will be our 28th anniversary. And what are you going to do for your anniversary? I'm so glad you asked me that. (laughs) Because we're in the middle of planning it now. Uh, But yes, we are going to Europe uh, to kind of backtrack our honeymoon. We had a honeymoon in Paris. Okay. And we are going to see. Beyonce for our honeymoon. What a dream. For our honeymoon anniversary. We're going to see Beyonce, but we were going to go see her in Paris because that's where we honeymoon. But Paris is apparently going to be a very, uh, how should I say it, just busy, nutty stop for her. Uh And so it's like New York, L.A. It's just those hubs can be crazy. and Just a little too much. logistically crazy. I mean, everyone in the world would be there, but everyone in the world would be there. So mm-hmm. we decided to go to Barcelona. 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 I love Barcelona. I, uh, I've never been. It's really pretty. Um, if you go to the, I think it's the Gaudi Park Museum, 
just know you have to make a reservation, and no matter how many times you go without a reservation, they will not let you in. Uh, so you into got a museum stuff, yeah. Into the park itself, or just the museum? I think into the. I think into everything. I don't know. I went with a friend, and they were like, "You got to sign up online." And we said, "You can't just let us in." They said, uh, "No." Okay, good to know. So make sure you have a reservation. Yes. And uh, and then you know we're looking at hotels now and everything, but our tickets are purchased. And we are ready to go. Now, the big question is, which one of these adult kids wants to catch one of the tickets? They're all over here (laughs) looking at us like, well, you know, I've been Beyonce's fan since, and I'm older than you, and I know this song, and that song. I'm like, okay, well, so we'll see. We'll see who gets the golden ticket. (laughs) So you're going to bring one of the kids? Well, we have four tickets, so we're going to bring two. Uh, we have four total. One is in Japan. He lives in Japan, so he's he's not oh, okay. coming. And for that reason, so, he's out. So okay. really, it's a it's a toss up between three. One will likely be working, so it will make it easier, and we'll probably just take uh, the remaining two if they don't if they don't if they act right, clean up the rooms and stuff. <laughs> do they still live with you? Some of them do. So one, like my middle boy, lives in Japan now. He's mm-hmm. studying. He's at Temple University Tokyo, so he's doing his thing. My youngest son is 18. He's just getting ready to graduate high school and headed off to college soon. Um, but my minute, my oldest boy, RJ, is he's my special kid, right? He has he has autism mm-hmm. and he's a working adult and crushing it. Like he's just just doing things that no no everyone said he would never do. So that's really really dope and amazing. And he's practical. He's like well. If I move out, um, I got to pay rent somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so he figured out that being home, he's saving money. And so, and I like him home. If, can I just say this? I like him home, Nicole, because he, I worry about him. He's this, a lovely young black gentleman. He's gorgeous. He's sweet. He doesn't date. He's kind of nervous about dating. His autism keeps him a little socially awkward, uh, but he's got a great job and he's so cool. And I worry about him. So I like him being here. I like knowing where he is. I mean, it's smart. It's hard out here. Rent is very expensive. The twins, my twins were just talking about getting a place. Um, and so they're the 25-year-olds. And they're both home. They're like, we got to get a place. We got to get out of here. <laughs> so they just started looking at rent. Uh-huh. And they were like, whoa, mom, we didn't know it was like that. Yeah, it's truly wild in these streets. Wild. So... Who knows? Maybe we'll be able to find something for them together. We'll see. But in the meantime, um, just really an empty nester on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, when you started dating your now husband, when did you know that you were in love? Ooh, so Ronnie was so monogamously challenged Uh-oh. when I first met him. You know, that's why I was sitting outside that car waiting for him to come <laughs> home from that strip joint. He was very, he was very monogamously, uh, just not didn't really understand what the word meant. Mm-hmm. And he always left the door just a little ajar for these girls. They never, he never really broke up with anybody. Okay. So when I first started like hanging out with them, it came with the baggage of all these girls who still thought they had a shot with him. Mm-hmm. So I had to be like the cleanup woman and clean all them bitches out the way. <laughs> and that was, you know, a lot of work. And when he finally really showed me that he wanted to try to have a real relationship with me. Um, I think when I felt like I loved him, and this is a, this might sound materialistic, uh, and I'm really not that person, but he was playing for the Detroit Lions at the time, the quarterback for the Lions football team. And they had this little like preseason trip to go to London, and they were going to play like an exposition game, and he asked me to go. And I was like, all right, we only been dating a few months. And I went, and we went to London, and that's how you really get to know somebody. You in a tiny mm-hmm. little hotel room together. And um, one morning when he went off to practice, he left me like a little, what do you call it, like a scavenger hunt, little game okay. thing. Like, walk this way, now turn here, now make a left. Uh, and then look down, open that up. And he uh, he left me a lot of cash, but he also mm-hmm. left me a card. And he said, go to this place. So just get in a cab, give him the car, and go to this place. He he sent me to the atelier, the workshop of, of Manalo Blahnik. 
Ooh. The shoe. The shoe god. Uh-huh. Now, mind you, this was in the 90s, mid 90s. Yes, that is the creme de la creme of shoes. But he wasn't Manolo Blonde. Like, he wasn't as blown up as he became later on in the 2000s. So it was still sort of like a mom and pop shop, and Manolo Blonic was there. And he said, uh, Mr. Rodney wanted you to uh, choose what shoes you want. And I was like, this brother, whoa. Like, <laughs> this wasn't the Red Lobster uh, date I had with the last guy I dated. Like, he was, re- I really had glowed up in my dating department. So I wouldn't say that made me love him. It just made me look <laughs> at him like he. He, I, I don't want to say like, oh, he gave me some money and some shoes, so I love him. But well, it's the just, it was thoughtful. It was the effort. It was the yeah. effort, Nicole. It was the effort, and that was amazing. And then, of course, arguably, Rodney Pete gave the best proposal any man has ever given. Oh my God! He, tell me, what did he do? He proposed to me. You got to look it up on YouTube. It's insane. He proposed to me on the set of Hanging with Mr. Cooper. In front of a live audience. Oh, my God. How sweet. Yeah, all four cameras running. I had no idea. He really tried to, he's a scammer. He's like a scamming (laughs) guy. Like, he tries to scam me. And he tried to make me feel like he was breaking up with me right before that. So I was a mess. I thought I had run him out. And uh, he was supposed to be in Dallas playing a game. He came to L.A., called the studio network, called my mom, called my dad set it up, and then at the last scene of this episode, somebody, uh, Reggie Miller, the basketball player, was in the episode. He was my date. He was Mm -hmm. Vanessa's date. And then the doorbell rang. And I know this isn't in the script. I'm like, oh, who's playing a game? Can y'all hurry up so I can go call this man? (laughs) And the door opened, and then he walked with this white Armani suit looking like some kind of dream on top of, of, of a fairy tale. And he got on his knees and he proposed me in front of everyone. And it was it was a moment. So, I mean, I loved him so much before then. Uh, but that moment I was like, oh, I think I found my person. Oh, my God. And I hope this lasts. I know. Oh, my God, Nicole, you have to see it. I'll text it to you. Okay. That is so romantic. It was it was super duper duper romantic. I've never had anyone do anything remotely as romantic. I've gotten flowers one time. I, I, I like flowers. I like flowers and everything. But, you know, I think romance is, is definitely amazing. They don't have to be the big grand grand strokes like Rodney did. But then after we got married, it was the smaller things, you know. It was just putting mm-hmm. some water. His love language now is putting some water next to my bed. Oh. At night, every night, he puts a bottle of water there. And That's one night nice. he didn't, and I was like, "Where's my water? Where's my water? What happened?" <laughs> That's true romance. It's a little thing. It is so nice. He just wants you hydrated. He just wants me moisturized. Oh my god! Does he have any brothers? He has a brother. Is his brother single? No, he's married. Okay, but is he but happy? <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah they're doing great uh, but uh, but he does have friends but his friends are older do you like older guys listen I'm not saying no to anything I have been single for truly my whole life I've never been in a relationship like a real one where like both people agreed that it was a relationship I've been in situationships but yeah I'll date an older man I think that might be fun Yes, date an older man, and uh, I might have some options for you. We did so. Listen, we did, we did Queens Court, and now people were walking up to us in the streets talking about, okay, you found some love for two of them ladies. <laughs> what about us? Um, and if I've learned anything, it's just I, I really feel like it's out there. I feel like people, people's per, people's people, people's persons are out there, and I think it's really a matter of where we are internally and what we're ready for and uh and being able to process all that but if you're looking for a couple i do have some older gentlemen single gentlemen couple that i know that have come to mind well hook me up i want it and you said your criteria was in therapy definitely we go on the therapy Nice. Does they have to be in therapy or can they just be willing to actually go to therapy? I would like them to be in therapy. I've dated enough people who are like, I'll go. And then they don't end up going or they go and they get worse. 
so yeah, I would like someone who's like actively working on themselves and likes themselves nice. and okay. is confident. Uh, I'd like for them to have a job and money. Uh, they don't have to have a ton of money. Just like it'd be nice if they could, you know, go on vacations when I wanted to go. Yes. That's not too much to ask. Okay. Got it. Any more? I'm writing these down. Mm, no, not. I, okay. It's, I'd like them to be taller than me, which is, you know, a bit of a vanity thing. How tall are you? Um, I thought I was 5'7", but it turns out I'm only 5'5", five five, so it's not going to be that hard to find someone who's taller than me. That's not too much to ask. But there are a Thank lot of guys you. out there that are, you know, 5'7"-ish. Would you, what about 5'7"? See, you thought you were 5'7", now you're just 5'5". Five five. <laughs> I think I could do 5'7". Okay. I mean, in my brain, I prefer like 6'2". But also, she's been single for so long that 5'7 will be just fine. You can't be picky when you're begging people to set you up. <laughs> so wait, hold on. Real quick, we have to take a break. Okay. Hey! Did you know one in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste time on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned out in the real world. Babbel made it super easy for me to brush up on my Spanish before my vacation to Mexico. See how I said that? It's, it's better, and it sounds like I speak Spanish. It just makes traveling better so you can like order food, ask for directions, and flirt with the locals. Me encanta, muchacho! <laughs> Without having to consult language apps while on vacation. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash date me. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash date me. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date me. Rules and restrictions may apply. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats to keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. And oh, we're back. So wait, you grew up in L.A. or California? No, yes. Started in Philly. Okay, and and went to then moved from Philly to to L.A. How old were you when you moved to L.A.? I was nine years old. Okay, listen, I got to pull a cig. I got to pull a cigarette out and a glass of wine <laughs> to talk about that story. <laughs> I was only nine, and I was dragged from everything I knew oh, to California. No. It was so unbelievably devastating but it gave me such a beautiful life and opened me up but you know when you're nine years old you gotta leave your family dog home mm. i was like and then i had a a hamster uh that my mom i begged her she let me take her i took the hamster but she wouldn't let me bring her in the in the motel so the hamster froze in the back seat oh no trauma that is childhood trauma, trauma. And then she told me we're going to leave it in the Mojave Desert for a better life. Oh, no. And now I'm having flashbacks again because this new movie, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, is coming out. And I named the hamster after a character in that book. Oh, no. Just really bringing the trauma out. I'm so sorry I brought it up. I know. Thanks a lot. (laughs) I'm going to call my therapist after this. Okay, well, we'll move on to something else. So you studied abroad in... uh, (laughs) Wait, where did you study abroad? In France? Yes, in Paris, yeah. So do you speak French? I do, je parle français très bien. 
Oh, wow. Je m'appelle Nicole. That's all I know. <laughs> okay, that'll do it. Je m'appelle Nicole works. <laughs> Did you date a lot in France? How was that? Fantastic. That was the way I got fluent. Really? By dating the Frenchman? Somebody said, get you a French boyfriend, learn how to cuss him out, and you will be the, <laughs> all the French you need to know. The only problem is they're very emotional men, and when you when you discard them, and take, they, they don't take that well. Wow. So... I was in France in 1984 mm-hmm. and 84, 85, and I did uh, my junior year there. I had such an amazing time. Poor Eric. Eric was just, he's still, I think he's still salty. Eric. Poor baby. Eric. <laughs> he was fine, too. He was fine as he wanted to be. But, you know, I it was like, okay, all right, I'm fluent, and I'm ready to go back to New York to college for my senior year, so Bye. But he kept wanting to come see me, and uh-huh. and then I just finally was like Eric. And then that like around that time, like Facebook was kicking in, and he was trying to Facebook me all the time. I had to unface a de- unfriend, defriend, <laughs> whatever. I had to get him out. He was a and then poor baby, he was so not over me. Uh, you just used me to learn the French. I was like, I'm sorry. Yes, I did it. I really did. Oh, you do no. had some other good qualities, and then. The uh, oh, that Twenty One Jump Street happened, and then mm-hmm. one of the biggest countries Twenty One Jump Street was pe- famous in was where France. So poor mm-hmm. Eric was not only like <laughs> he had to watch me be on billboards and on TV, uh-huh. and I traumatized that man. But back to what I said: best French teachers. Okay, so you've dated in France. You said you went to school in New York. And you dated in California. So what yeah. what city is the best for dating? Oh, in uh in the cities that I've spent time in, mm-hmm. I would say for sure Paris. Oh, be sure. And and by the way, I, I take I don't know because it's been so long since I've dated that I don't know if it's still like that and there's so many other distractions and social media and GPS and people know <laughs> where you are. Things are different now, but it was just um, I don't know if it's because I was a young black female. Them brothers, with, them French boys were checking for me. <laughs> and I didn't really get a lot of business back in the States. Like, guys liked me, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, was, I had a little self-esteem issues or whatever. I didn't really think I was all that. And then, and then I got to Paris and, like, these men were just so, they were, they really, as we know, they historically have a great appreciation of black American culture and music and all that stuff. And I think the women... Um, and then I thought that was the number one place where I was the most appreciated until I went to Italy. Oh, okay. And you dated in Italy? Okay, follow me. Okay. I didn't date in Italy, but I dated an Italian man who I met when I was working at a club med in Spain. <laughs> so I was working at a French club in Spain with an Italian orchestra. I was singing with this orchestra. And I, so I got, I kind of met a lot of Italians there. Like at those club meds, it's just lots mm-hmm. of Europeans, right? And I just found that the Italians' appreciation of women in general, but certainly uh, black women is quite profound. You be cleaning up. What is your secret? Well, I was 19 and like, I mean, I was 19 and 20 back then. But I, like I said, I, I did mention I had a lot of insecurities, like about who I was and guys that like me. When we moved from uh, Philly to we moved to Malibu, there were no black people there. I was in shock, and like the the white guys in the school weren't really checking for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like they weren't. So I felt some kind of, you know, I was mad at my mom for putting me in this all white school because I was like, oh my god, no one wants to date me. I'm just everybody's little friend. Um, so I was a little traumatized, so I didn't really start cleaning up, as you t- said, until I got into my <laughs> 20s and, and really started feeling better about me and um, traveling and seeing the world. Uh, but yeah, but those were some some pretty heady days, those 19 to 25. Those were those were fun. It does sound like fun. I did not have an early 20s like that. My early 20s is pretty similar to my 30s now, where I'm just looking, 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 and can't find a thing. They're out there, Nicole. They're out there. I know they're out there. You 
You're so funny. I, I, I think this is, that's why your podcast is so fun because so many people can relate to you. I have a really good friend who listens to your podcast all the time mm-hmm. and loves it. And when he when I told him that I might come on, he was like, oh, you got to do it. You got to do it. You're going to love her. You're going to love her. <laughs> we going to find you a man. You're going to get some dates. I want it. I want it so bad. I don't want to be relatable anymore. I want to be like, tee hee hee. I'm in a relationship. <laughs> I'm better. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're not better because well, you you're in a relationship. Change, then you got to change the name of your podcast. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're too cute. You're too much fun. You're, 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 you've got so much great energy. And. That person is out there for you, sis. I know he is. Okay. Well, what advice would you give me in trying to find that person who's out there? Well, here's what I would say. And again, you know, um, I'm an old black dress from another time. But what I can <laughs> say is that uh, it's opening yourself up. It's emotionally being open, Right. A lot of mm-hmm. people say that, I'm not saying this is you, but a lot of people say they're emotionally available already, but they're still closed off. So that requires being a, being able to you know navigate some hurtful feelings or some painful situations. And then I think travel. I think traveling outside the States is it. I think you meet people. Sometimes you meet someone who is from your home state or someone who's went to your school or something outside of our own bubble of space. Mm-hmm. I think travel is a great way to meet men. And that was my key. I didn't travel to meet men, but that's how that really happened. And then meeting men in different cultures and and learning from them. And, you know, I'm sorry that, Eric, if you're listening, I'm sorry that I <laughs> kicked you to the curb after you taught me French. But I mean, there's so many ways to really get out there and meet. And I do feel that travel, especially abroad, is a very good way. I just don't have good luck. I went to Costa Rica a couple years ago with a friend and we ended up going to, oh, I can't remember the town, but it was like kind of touristy. We went to this club. We met a bunch of like Americans. Uh, we ran into people we like knew personally. We were partying with them. This dude was like staring at me and then we started dancing. And then he was like, I'll buy you a drink. And I was like, they are so cheap. You don't have to buy me anything. But he bought me a drink. And then we were flirting. And then he was like, what's your Instagram? And then we exchanged Instagrams. And then I was like, is this man going to like ever kiss me? And then he didn't. And then we like, we're gonna make plans for the next day. But me and my friend had other plans going on. And then he just Instagram met, like he DM'd me all the time. And I was like, this is now done. I don't want to be your friend. I didn't go to Costa Rica to meet new friends. I went to Costa Rica to maybe fuck somebody and have a nice time. I was so angry. There you go. There you go. You know what? That is that. It, listen, but that was just that was that one cat. Mm-hmm. There, there are more out there, and you know you didn't expend too much energy with that. You know, it wasn't too much time out of your life, but they're out there. And Costa Rica, by the way, that is on my bucket list. I've been wanting to go there for a while. It's so pretty. I absolutely love it. I want to huh? go back. Yes, very lush, very green, um, just like beautiful. The beaches yeah. were so nice. Oh, I loved it. Take. That's how I went on it. I went on an eat, pray, love trip before I met Rodney mm-hmm. to Bali, Bali, Indonesia. I went by myself, kind of. The, the girlfriend of mine managed the, the hotel that I was staying at. So she was my hangout. She was my friend and companion when she wasn't working. And I had... At first, I'm in this romantic area, was feeling kind of sad because I was like, I, what am I doing wrong? I can't find the right man. I'm dating these, the wrong guys. It's not good. Mm-hmm. And and I had such a revelation and epiphany there, which really was, you're not really ready. You're not really letting go. You're not really open. You say you are. You're not really open. And then my girlfriend was like, I want to introduce you to this. I thought I'm making myself sound like an old hoe on your show. <laughs> but making myself, I want to There's introduce you to. There's nothing wrong with living a nice, fun life. Yes, this is true. And this was so many years ago. And I will put it in my memoir. She was like, I know a guy, he's an Australian guy. And, you know, he's really cool. We go out. I was feeling kind of down. She goes, we'll go out. He's a friend of mine. We'll go out. We'll have a good time. We went out to this restaurant in Bali. We had the time of our life. We drank. We had so much fun. It was so much fun. We danced. We had so much fun. 
the little Aussie boy was saying a little something. So I liked him. And we had this wild, amazing, fun night. I never saw him again. I want to say that's probably my first and last, like, one-night situation. Uh-huh. I trusted him. He was vetted a little bit through my girlfriend. But I remember thinking, wow, like, this was fun. This was the kind of free fun that I know, like, my parents were doing in the 60s <laughs> and 70s, right? This was like, you read a cat, and then you just, like, have fun. Um, and I had so much fun. It definitely awakened me to what I was looking for, which was, A, someone who wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. I needed someone who was be willing to experience new adventures and someone who was just open to seeing the world and who loved the earth and was fascinated by Mother Nature and things that God, we can't even explain on this earth. And so I kind of really meditated on that on the last five days of this trip in Bali. And then when I got home, I want to say... Two weeks? That's when my friend Lila Rashawn said, I want you to meet this guy, Rodney P, who I did not like at first. Oh, wait. So you didn't like him at first? I I liked him. He was a quarterback, an NFL quarterback. I was not trying to mess around with no groupy-ass having (laughs) sports guys. Like, that was, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, let me find me a nice attorney or shit i don't care just something where i don't feel <laughs> like i gotta beat bitches out the way you know what uh-huh. i mean like i don't want to do that and so but he was persistent mm-hmm. he was so persistent but coming off of that trip i was like so calm and like okay and i didn't i before the trip stressed tequila mm-hmm. partying Hanging out, moaning, crying, whining, it'll never happen. But after that trip, my mind, like I meditated on what I wanted. And I guess I manifested that, but I almost didn't because I, I just felt like he was, you know, yeah, all these women and stuff. It was felt like a lot of work. But in the end, he was, he will tell you that because I wasn't so checking for him, <laughs> because I was like, eh, man, I could do it out of that's what intrigued him, which was really weird. And I wasn't trying to play hard to get it. Mm-hmm. It just, that's just how it unfolded. I'm not good at, pl- I just like throw my cards on the table when I meet someone. I'm like, I like you. Do you like me? And apparently nobody likes that. People like mystery. And I'm like, I'm not mysterious. I'm just a little dummy. T-T-T. You know, but I don't feel like there's a lot of mystery out there now. I feel like everybody's stuff is on blast. You know, you got Instagram, whether, whether you're curating something you want people to see or whether mm-hmm. you're really showing the real you, it's still too much information. Like, we know so much about where you're going, what you're doing, what you like, what you ate, um, who you're with, all that stuff. So I feel like that that, that mystery is kind of gone. And I th- I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, you know what, I really like you. And you you just check all my boxes. Let, let, you want to try? I, I don't think anything's wrong with that. Stick with that. Don't put that away. So far, I, I've scared people away. I told this one guy I was dating, this is like a little bit before the pandemic. I was like, so do you want to just like date each other and like stop dating other people? Because I'm dating other people and I would like to stop doing that. And then he was like, ooh, I don't know. I don't even know if I believe in monogamy. And I was like, okay. Okay, and then we ended up breaking up. But you know what? Okay, keep it moving. That's just another, you know, that's a goodbye, and then move on to the next. That I, I don't mind that. I don't mind you telling me you don't believe in monogamy because that that that's a that's when I get in my car and put it in gear and take <laughs> off. Like goodbye. And, but here, but then there's a Rodney Pete who was like he was he was struggling with his mm-hmm. monogamy stuff. And I had to help him along. My thing was, do I want a damn project right now? Like, do I want someone that I have to help put together? And he was showing me signs that he really had the potential. So I went for it. And, you know, all these years later, you know, it was a good move. But, you know, you have something got to roll that dice. I don't mind you. I like you being up front like that. And I like you asking the questions. And I like his answer because it told you exactly how you needed to get on. Yeah, and I got on to being single <laughs> for two years. Um, dating during the pandemic was truly hellish. Like, I, I went on a couple park dates, and that's never fun. I just, right now, I'm in a spot where I'm like, 
I've been stood up, canceled on, and just like rejected too many times. And I'm like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And my therapist was like, I think it's okay if you take a break. But then I feel like if I take a break, I might be missing somebody. I don't know. Yeah, then you get that FOMO. I think you should keep going. I think you're on the right track. And I think your intentions are great and they're honest. And I love it. And I think you should keep going and manifest what the hell you want. And if you don't get the answers you you want to hear, then you move on. And it, it's all little it's all little pockets and little drip drops of wisdom as you move on this journey. But I don't I love putting it out there. I love mm-hmm. being honest. I want to go on a date. I want to be in a relationship. And who else wants to? When we did King uh, Queen's Court, we had to find 21 guys who really wanted or who said they really mm-hmm. wanted to be in a relationship with one woman. And most of them were really sincere and genuine. Uh, Rodney and I could smell it, especially Rodney, because he because he was one of the cats, so he could <laughs> smell it. Uh, and then there were others who were just there because they were building, they were brand building, trying uh-huh, to be on TV. Trying to get on TV, get the people to see them. And... Those ones were pretty obvious from, from Jump Street, literally. Mm-hmm. But they, when they curated these men that were, and they were opening up and talking about the things that they wanted in women, I was like, okay, okay, Atlanta. There was, was some brothers in Atlanta who were, you know, you found, we found some good guys. So mm-hmm. they are out there. And they were very straight up about what they wanted in life and how they wanted a partner. So they're out there. They're out there. You got. You keep going. <sighs> I don't, don't know give up. where. I went out last night with a friend. And, I mean, our intention was to just, like, hang out, catch up. I, we hadn't hung out in a minute. But I also was like, I mean, if I meet somebody, I am open to talking to them for a second or two. But, like, in L.A., I feel like people come with their friends talk to their friends and then have no desire to talk to anybody else. And I just, I don't know how people meet people in the wild anymore. Well, I mean, in all fairness, to be fair, this must be the worst town to meet people. (laughs) Like it just is because everyone's transient. Everyone's looking for, uh, they, they, they want to move fast and, and make things happen quickly LA's tough for dating, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's why, you know, it may be, you know, maybe maybe you gotta get on that road. We gotta do you gotta take this show on the road. I'm telling you, I've taken it on the road. And uh whenever I go to when I tour, I'll like set my tender to where I'm going and end up talking to people and then nothing ever happens. And I don't maybe it's me. I don't know. And then I go on dates and dates are terrible. It's just, I think I'm just like unlucky and love. I feel like a witch has cursed me or something. No. In another life, they were like, you'll be single forever. No, no. You're going to find someone who feels the same way. And they're going to find themselves in you and go, oh my gosh, really, you get me. It's going to happen. Mark my words. I hope so. I said so. it here on April 26th. April 26th. Holly, I'm coming for you if it doesn't happen. (laughs) Yes. Do it. Do it. In the meantime, I will look in my arsenal of men. Please. I'm horny. A couple of them just came to mind. I'm going to powwow with with, uh, the old man and uh, I'm going to come back to you. Okay. I'm going to hold you to it because the last date I went on, this man truly thought I was the least funny person he's ever met his whole life. He didn't laugh one time. Uh, I made jokes and he just nod at me. <laughs> what? And I was like, he this is awful. <laughs> he did not at your joke. He just oh he would politely nod and I would like laugh because I'm very I like me and I'm very tickled by me and I'm always having a nice time. And I was like, oh, you don't want to join in on the nice time? Okay, let's just eat our pasta in silence. Oh, he was terrible. Oh, is that the worst of a bad day? Nothing worse than a bad day. But you, but I'm telling you, it is in the cards. You're too wonderful. You're too special. You're too, you're funny as hell. And if he didn't laugh, he was not, then something's wrong with him. <laughs> and um, that's what it is. It's just really about just that, that moment and that moment's coming. 
You know what? I love it. You sound so confident. Real quick, we have to take another break. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAIP-owned brands right now, like Cardin, Kaja, Emilia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's always something that I really need to talk about. And thank God I have a podcast. But then there's stuff that I don't want to reveal publicly. So I talk to a therapist. And listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get stuff off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And I got to say, that's very important because the first person you meet might not be good for you. So even though it's work, you got to work to find someone who like is helpful and is good for you. So don't stick with someone just because you feel like you have to. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash date me today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash date me. Ooh, ooh, Holly, we're back. Okay, can I ask you about the mass Singer? Oh, please. How heavy was your costume? Because I guess judged or whatever and then got to see the costumes in the back and they are so intricate and wild. And I was oh. like, these look so heavy and hot. I was not hot because they keep that place freezing, <laughs> um, but they were heavy. For me, my issues were I was a fairy. And so for me, my issues were the peripheral vision uh-huh. and being able to read sort of the monitors and the uh, the words to the songs that I didn't know, which was like the, 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 the what do you know, the song when you're uh, going at each other, the whatever song, you know, the song when you compete with the other person. Oh, yeah, I, like it'll the come head up to head and, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I just, like, I'm not thinking about it now. But I can remember that because those are songs that you don't necessarily know. You have to learn on the fly. Oh. And so, uh, so you got to, so I needed those lyrics. And when I was trying to look through these little <laughs> fairy eyes, I could not see. And then I come to find out, like, someone who I am obsessed with, Who's a singer? Who's saying? Oh, who's this? Who's dancer? I think she sings too, but she's a dancer. She danced for Beyonce, and she's like one of my favorite one of Beyonce's dancers. I follow her on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I just think she's good. She was like my background dancer in the back for me singing. Now you know, I thought I was something that this beautiful <laughs> girl was doing my background dancing, but I never saw her because I couldn't see behind me, and I had these feathers or not feathers, wings. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I was so glad I didn't have to be some hybrid jackalope or a snake, a, sna- a snake goat, or a, a damn horse bunny or something. I got to be a fairy. A nice fairy. It was very ethereal, and I really had a good time. It seems hard. The one the episode I was on, I can't remember who was in the teddy bear costume, but it definitely was like an older black woman. And after she finished singing, she was just like wandering the stage. And I was like, I don't think she can see. And I truly like screamed. I was like, can someone help the teddy bear? <laughs> oh, I was yeah, like, people have fallen off the <laughs> yes. stage. They have to get those guys or those guys who come out and they escort you off. If they're not there and you start walking, mm-hmm. you're going off that stage. And so that's been an issue for the show over the last seasons. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a really crazy show because you, you, you really do walk around from the time they pick you up from your house to the time you go in your dressing room with a with a uh, a huge um, hoodie with a zipper and it says "Do not talk to me." You have to have gloves on so you can't see the color of your skin. You have to have socks. Oh my god! They cover gosh. you from head to toe. Yeah, you're like totally covered. And then you, you get out of the car. You're not allowed to speak to anybody. And so it's very funny, but. Uh, 
but I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I hadn't sang like that in a long time. And I, I, I loved it. And I know everyone on the panel, including Nick Cannon, and not one of them guessed me. <laughs> Didn't even come close. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. Oh, I, that's so wild that they do so much. But I guess it's like you're trying to hide people's identity. That I couldn't do it. I talk too much. I'd be getting out of the car being like, oopsie, sorry. Oh, no, I'm not supposed to be speaking. <laughs> I just, I talk too much. I couldn't do it. I talk too much, too. They kept having to tell me to be quiet. Like, stop talking. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's right. Were you a singer first and then got into acting? Or were you, no, you acted first. You were on Sesame Street as a child, right? I was on Sesame Street as a child and my dad was starring on the show and like I was like trying to work the Nepo baby thing and he, mm -hmm. he wasn't having it for a long time. I really? was like, can I get some? Oh, he did not want me to be on the show because he didn't, he didn't like the idea of child stars and child actors. Ah, and he, mm -hmm. he had, he thought he knew my personality that if I got on the show, I would just see those lights and see Big Bird and see Ernie and Bert and be like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm going to be a showbiz kid. And he was right. When I begged him and pleaded and he finally let me come, I was like, like starstruck. Mm -hmm. And uh, later on, though, I really did love singing. Like singing was like the first thing that I got really excited about in junior high and high school. And then my mom was already a, a personal manager to actors and actresses mm -hmm. at the time. She's like, you want to go out and audition for some stuff? And she sent me out on on what was called Jump Street Chapel at the time, became Tony with Jump Street. And then I never looked back. But then I sang. I got a record deal. Wait, was 21 Jump Street your first audition? No, it wasn't my first audition. Like, I did other stuff. I did, like, okay. after-school specials, and I did a little... It was just my first big show. It oh, was, like, okay. my first Because I was about to be vehicle. like, damn, that's yeah, some luck. No. No, no, it was my first star vehicle, but but I, I hadn't done a whole lot though, so it was a big deal. Um, and then I sang the theme song to Twenty One Jump Street. I got a record deal, mm -hmm. but this was in the eighties, uh, late eighties. When back then, if you were a TV star or on TV, mm -hmm. they didn't want you to be uh, a singer. Then later on in the two thousands. If you were on a TV show, it was a platform to become a singer. Miley Cyrus, mm -hmm. Ariana Grande, you know, Britney Spears, all of them, you know, Zendaya. Like, they, that's how, that's like really the path. But mm -hmm. timing wise, us old divas back in the day with Tisha <laughs> Campbell and Jasmine Guy, we all had record deals and stuff, but it was hard to get over that, you know, be taken seriously as a singer. You have a collaboration with Prince that never got released. I could just sob thinking about it. And since it was recently the anniversary of his death, I pulled mm -hmm. out my little Prince box. I have this like Prince chest with all my Prince stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Jack, um, the, the 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 song that we we did record together in '92, the uh, all my little stuff from from my little souvenirs from minnesota when when i was out there recording with him yeah it's called holly don't care and you know what i found mm -hmm. i found the demo that he made that he sang all the lead on and then i went in and re-recorded it with him on, in the background i'm trying to figure out how i can get people to hear this song because it's just the song is, it's a great song, mm -hmm. but it's more like I'm singing on a track with Prince. With Prince, yeah. That's absolutely like the dream and you achieved it. It's epic. And I, mind you, when he called me in 1992, uh, I had sang the theme song for Hanging with Mr. Cooper. And the person who was the director for that main title shoot was also Prince's videographer. And she went back and said, oh, this girl, there's a Prince, you know, trying to hook us up. But let's take let's go back to Paris and mm -hmm. let's go back to the sixties, eighties, and the seventies when I was in high school. You couldn't have told me nothing about Prince Rogers Nelson. Like I was in love with him <laughs> from moment one with the with the the, the makeup and the mm -hmm. the, the uh, all of the G strings and the garter and the belts purple. and honey. He was everything, and he was so, like, just, just no fucks to give about anything. Mm -hmm. I just was like, and then the music was so deep. So I loved him 20, you know, uh, not 20, maybe you know, 19, 18 years before that I got a chance to meet him. And I'm um, still not over losing him. 
It is really sad. But what was it like working with him? Was he as magical as I think he is or was? All of it. I pulled up at Paisley Park. First of all, he picked me up in a car. I don't think I ever saw the driver <laughs> because once I got in the back, he had, to, you know, he had lava lamps in there and, you know, incense burning and, and sheepskin carpeting. Like the in whole, the car? The, I love in it. In the car was like oh, pimped. It's pretty out. What a dream. Out. And then when I went to go talk, I'm a chatty lady. So I went to go talk to the driver. Like, hi, I'm Holly and I'm from Ke-. And that, that old partition went up. Like, I'm not talking to you. And I was like, okay, well, he's not talking to me. And then we got to Paisley Park. I got out and I, there was like a whole welcome Holly, like signed, mm-hmm. walk this way. I get in there. I see his assistant. She's like, welcome. She was a really normal lady. Mm-hmm. I thought she would be, you know, dressed like vanity or something, you know. Wearing some something, you know, sexy or whatever, uh-huh. and she was just like a normal secretary. She's like, "Oh hey, well, Prince will be right down," and then of course I'm standing there, and then it, poof, he he appears behind me out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it's, you really do do that, huh? Like that you just be showing up behind people." <laughs> and then I went this way. I looked up. He was on this. He, like he was just showing up different. <laughs> I'm like, "There's five of you here. Stop playing with me." But we went in the recording studio. And we had such a great time. Like, I was so nervous, but I was determined to really turn it out for him. I knew the song backwards and forwards. I was in good voice. And he was like, wow, we're done. We're done in two hours. I thought we, I, I booked the studio for eight, nine hours all night to think, you know, we, you, and we're done. He goes, great. I'm, I'm going to mix it and I'm going to send you a, a, a rough mix and uh, we'll keep moving from there. Get the paperwork done and. And then from there, he's like, well, now we're going to do it all our free time. Well, all right, you want me to give you a tour of Minneapolis? I was like, yes. Oh. And he put me in a car. And, I, you know, look, I, really, I was like, can we go on a motorcycle like Purple Rain? He was like, no, I'm not, not riding <laughs> no, that. Not anymore. at all. He put me in the car. We went went to his club, and we went to uh, First Avenue, and and he took me through the back way, and then he took me to the gift shop and was like, what do you want? Jake, take anything you want. Now, you know somebody say, take anything you want mm-hmm. out. You know, your mom's in your ear saying, don't be, don't take, don't be take the person. most expensive take thing. Take a little right. thing. But I saw that, I saw a black leather jacket with a beautiful silk screen of him on the back. And I was like, I want that. And he goes, you don't want that thing. And I was like, oh, you're right. I don't want it. So I got me a little tambourine, a little sign. And then... <laughs> I got me a tambourine with the Prince sign on it. But I was thinking about that jacket. So anyway, we went upstairs and I'm dancing. We're dancing and stuff. And then, and it was just so nice. And then he goes, you know what? My girl really, my girl, he was dating Maite at the time. My girl needs me. So I got, I kind of got to go, but you are so amazing. You did a great job. I can't wait for you to hear the mix and let's talk soon. And your driver's downstairs waiting for you. I was like, okay. You know, I got in that car. I got back to the hotel. I walked in my hotel room, and that jacket was laying on the bed. Oh, that's so fucking sweet. I cherish that coat more than I cherish some of my kids' baby clothes. I'm like, yeah, you can throw them away. <laughs> but I'm mean, telling but not you, these that coats, jacket, not, not that, that jacket. jacket. I mean, don't talk to me about my prince jacket. And I never got him to sign it, which I really wanted him to. But mm-hmm. anyway, it, th- so I had some great moments with him, and. Um, I just, to this day, just uh, miss him so much. Ugh. Wait, and we can't hear the song? It's nowhere? No, I, I have it. And I just got to figure oh. out, like, how to Oh, yes, play you it. just like, said how to play it, how to yeah, get it out there. Yeah, how do I get it out there? Like, and then do I need uh-huh. to, I don't want nobody to come sue me, right? Do I need to call Prince's people? And do I need to ask them, oh, hey, probably. how can I play you this song? You probably have to ask uh, his estate For permission, how right? go about, yeah. Like, yeah, can I put it on Spotify? Can I just, you know, I'm not one of trying to make any money off of it. I just want people to hear it. Just people to hear it. I mean, not I just like hear it. Yes. Well, you're going to give me your phone number and stuff, and then I'll play it for you. I'll okay. let you hear it. Uh, but I, I've, I've pulled people together that I know are really big Prince fans, and come over, we have a little quiet listening party of this one song. Um, and then we never <laughs> did the record. We never did the record deal because, quite honestly, the, the record deal wasn't wasn't great. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't it great. It sounds so. like record deals and being signed to a label. Like, I just learned that you essentially are in debt. Like, you sign a like a deal with the record label and they give you like a million dollars, but then like that's against your sales. And then you have to sell a million 
to then break even. And then you have to sell more than a million to like make money back, but then you're only getting a percentage of it. And then usually by your second album, you're still in debt, but then they give you more money and then you have to pay. It's really, it's kind of a scam. Totally. And we have, you know, we all have the receipts. We've seen the the TLC story, the this one, Mm -hmm. that one. Like we know what we know what happens with those deals, which is why nowadays the artists are commanding that they own their own masters and that Mm -hmm. they basically be their own record company. And so uh, that you can do now. Couldn't do that back then. And with Prince, it's weird. It was like, you know, he was had gone through that whole slave phase where he wrote slave on his face and he was mm-hmm. mad at what Warner Brothers was doing and him not owning his masters. And so he really did, was part of the revolution of ownership of your masters and all that. Mm-hmm. But with the deal that he offered me, it was like, all you own, I, he, he would own everything. He would own all my publishing, mm-hmm. he would own everything. It would have been one of those deals. So my my attorneys were like, I know you love him. I but know you want to be able to say, say you no. would, but uh, you can't sign this. So that it was that was weird. Then he called me. He was like, why? Why won't you do the deal? And I'm like, oh, my God, I want to do it. <laughs> um, and we ended up being really good friends. So it worked out. Mm-hmm. It all worked out in the end. I love that. What a, mm-hmm. oh, honestly, what a dream. Okay, Holly, we have come to the end. And yes. so your advice to me is to travel, put myself out there. Travel abroad. Travel abroad. Yeah. Is there anything else? I would like you to maybe not be so stuck on the line item of having to be in therapy. Okay. May, I mean, I okay. know you said maybe it didn't work out one time with a, one guy who said he would go and then it got worse. But there are a lot of guys out there that just really want to try it and it would do help them. You don't know maybe if there's recent trauma or something. And and I think you should be open to a guy not necessarily being in therapy already, but just really being willing to try it. And that might be something really bonding for the two of you because you opened his world up to that. And then from there... Some good stuff can happen. I'm just saying. Okay. So just, I mean, just think about that one. All right. I'll think about it. Yeah. Um, Holly, is there anything that you want to uh, promote? Gosh, I mean, I have a uh, really great book that's out now that I really love. You you could actually see this, these two little guys here. Mm-hmm. They're really cute. Yeah, children's book. It's called Charlie Makes a Splash. It's a follow-up to My Brother Charlie, which was an award-winning children's book that I wrote, co-authored with my daughter when she was just 12. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this one, Charlie Makes a Splash, was co-authored with my son, RJ, who has autism. And um, it's a really beautiful book about kids with autism who love the water and how much they love every aspect of the water, whether it's the ocean, whether it's aquariums, whether it's rain, whether it's raining, whether it's a bathtub. But yeah, a lot of kids with autism have um, poor outlooks. Bad things happen in the water. Mm-hmm. The autism is, kid goes missing. Oftentimes, they'll go check the closest body of water. And that's because even though our kids love the water, they don't all know how to swim and they mm-hmm. don't know all know, all know water safety. So Charlie Makes a Splash is about these twins, much like mine, and all the adventures that they have in water but also it's about, you know, autism, acceptance, accepting neurodiversity, accepting that we all, all have to be the damn same and having acceptance, inclusion and all of that. So I'm very proud of these books. And if you have kids or if you know a family who's dealing with autism or any kind of neurodiversity, it's a great book to get for a cousin or a friend to explain what autism is and have more acceptance. Yes, because I don't know. I think. I mean, I'm on the spectrum. I have ADHD and other things that like, like I have a like sensitivity to things. It's like, I think a lot of, a lot more of us are on the spectrum than we care to admit. And I think it's okay that we're all so different. I think it's very beautiful. Wait, Holly, I forgot to ask you. I asked all my guests this. I think I've only missed it like four times, but would you date me? Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. Totally date you. You would be such a fun day, and I would not nod at your joke. I'd laugh. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay, Holly. You're welcome. Thank you so thank much you for so being much. here. Um, if you like 
this episode of Why Won't You Date Me? You could like it, you could rate it, you could subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever. If you write me something nasty hitting on me, you can write it to Why Won't You Date Me Podcast at gmail.com. Mars has to look at it, my producer, so no pictures. This person said, Merry Christmas, Nicole. Just wanted to write a quick one filling you in that I had two beautiful intense orgasms with my magic wand and nasty thoughts of you. While my body reached to the deep yet powerful vibrations on my plump pussy and ample inner thighs as I laid on my soft soft belly and pressed into the wand, my thoughts of you raced through my mind of how I wanted to press my entire face and nuzzle my way to your beautiful clit. Even as I recall these thoughts, I can feel my pussy tingling and swelling. (laughs) I'm fantasizing about loving and caressing every part of you, sucking on your nipples if it feels good to you as well, kissing your neck, lying on my belly and spending forever just sucking and licking and sucking every inch of you. Thank you for these two hot orgasms on Christmas evening. (laughs) They're the gift that I needed. Okay, (laughs) bye-bye. That's it for Why Won't You Date Me with me, Nicole Byer. Why Won't You Date Me is produced and engineered by, oh, the sweetest woman I know, Marissa Melnick. It is executive produced by other wonderful people, Adam Sachs, Joanna Solotaroff, and Jeff Ross. Thanks for listening. I love you. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you next Friday with a brand new episode. What a treat. What a dream. (laughs) This has been a Team Coco production. Ashley's Memorial Day sale is going on now. Shop our biggest selection of hot buys, cool deals, or shop limited time savings on new summer spaces. Plus, get 72-month special financing on select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Whether you're redecorating indoors or rethinking your outdoor space, save big on this season's trending styles. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.